One of the things in the Bible that's amazed me through the years have been the paradoxes of Scripture. Why is that one not on? This TV is not on the back. That's what he was pointing. You were pointing at that? Because I like to teach off this TV if possible. You know, I used to teach off these TVs. Then I got used to that one. Now they cut me off. Now, I can, now I'm back to this one. Now I don't know what to do. This one. Oh, you guys are hurt me. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to teach you. Do the best you can to get that on. Don't quit. Get, get, get whoever you got to get to get that on. Because that's going to help me a lot. Otherwise, I'm going to have a kink in my neck. Here we go. Illogical Christianity. <clears throat> up is down, down is up. You don't read the Bible for very long before you figure that out. Jesus was different than anybody that ever had come. Jesus came and asked of his people things that nobody else asked of his people. I mean, it was just amazing. Biblical paradoxes. I'm going to give, I'm going to give you about, I think there's a 12, 13 of these. And I believe we can do them this morning. I'm going to do about two minutes each one, three minutes each one. We'll see what happens. Uh, we see unseen things as Christians. Now, that, that itself is a paradox. If something's unseen, how can you see it? If something's invisible, how can you see it? But we do see it. The Bible says so. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Well, if you can't see something, how do you see it? Because you see it through spiritual eyes. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. As a born-again believer, trusting in Jesus, really the, uh, the people of the world turned, the, 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 the apostles, they did turn the world upside down. They really did. I mean, they asked things that nobody else had asked. They told people to do things. They recognized the unseen as the valuable and the seen as not valuable. Now, you know that's not the way we are. We're like little, you ever seen gophers, them little chipmunks? They'll go around, they'll collect, uh, wall, they'll collect acorns, they put one in this cheek and one in that cheek. If they could get three in there, they'd do it. That's what we are like. We live this life and we collect stuff. If I went to some of your houses, some of your houses collecting stuff, collecting stuff. Me too. I got a, I got a, tool room. I just have a path through that thing now. It used to be nice and big and open. Somehow or another, it all closed in on me. But uh, isn't, that, isn't that amazing? But, it, but God has told us. Hit no. If you've got the ability to hit no, hit no. Boy, I'll tell you, the, the, you, know, you know, I love resistance. I'm getting resistance this morning. This, work, this TV was working just a while ago. So we're, and that, that hasn't popped up before because we went through this already on uh, Friday or whatever day it was. So it's interesting. I love resistance. God must want you to know this. This must be very important this morning for you to know. You people watching in, Bill Henthorne, God bless you. Appreciate you watching in. 93-year-old deacon at Gospel Baptist Church. Brother Salmon is still a deacon at Gospel Baptist Church. Deacon, honorary deacon, by the grace of God, if he's watching. So there's one more verse I want to look at here, 1 Peter 1.8. 
whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So in essence, you are rejoicing over what you haven't seen. How do you do that? The Spirit of God does that. Boys, back there, you, there's probably no power to the plug. It probably blew a, a thing over. You think there is power? Okay, good. I'm kind of a fixer by nature. I want to get back there and find out what's wrong with that thing so bad you can't even believe me. You can't believe it. I just, I really. Jesus said about those who have to see to believe, an adulterous and wicked generation seeketh a sign. That's, there's, a, there's an inherent problem with, with people saying, if God would show himself to me, I'd believe. And here's what's bad about it. He's screaming at you. Look around. Look around. Look at the complexity of the human body. Doc, doc right there, studied his whole life, spent his whole life studying the body. I went to a retinologist one time, Doc, and he said, if you if just studying the retina would prove there's a God. Just studying the retina. The people that are in the know. Retina is so amazing, so complex, the fact that you can see something and it actually is upside down, goes back to the brain, gets put right side up, or does it? I don't know. But anyway, you all look like you're right side up today. You know what I'm saying? There's a God in heaven. The birds and the diversity of the animal kingdom and the diversity of the, 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 uh, the bug kingdom. You know, I was reading through the book of Revelation this week, and it describes the creatures. Ezekiel also describes those, those four living creatures, and it's a strange description. But then I get thinking, have you ever seen bugs under a microscope? They, what, was, what was described in Ezekiel, what's described in Revelation is no weirder, no stranger than the bugs that I've, some of the bugs I've seen underneath the microscope. Well, if God can make a micro creature with all those details, and he can make a big creature with all those details six wings you know and they don't they don't move they don't turn when they move they move like this reminds me of a hummingbird you ever seen a hummingbird they're like uh, 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 uh. they don't move like normal birds do they god's already shown that stuff to us man there's a god in heaven show me the unseen god god and through creature the affirmer showeth forth the glory of god if you don't believe in fact, if you read Romans 1, if you won't believe by what God, the testimony of nature that God's shown you, you probably won't believe. And God doesn't give you more signs than that. That's big. So that's a paradox. That's number one. Number two, we conquer by yielding as born-again Christians. Now, this, this goes against uh, uh, a male. Males are, are, you know, males are soldiers, conquerors, fighters, protectors. That's the function of a male. And many different functions have of a male. But we have that, that, that testosterone that gives you the, 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 the forcefulness to do that kind of thing and to pursue it. But the Bible says we conquer by yielding. Thank you, man, by getting that on. I appreciate that. He says in Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey. We could spend the rest of the time on that. 
That is a principle. When you smoke a cigarette, you smoke the first one, maybe the second one, maybe the first pack, maybe the second pack, but from that time, from that time on, cigarettes smoke you. They tell you when you're going to smoke. They tell you when you want to have it. You know, after you eat a meal, i got to have a cigarette. The other day I was thinking about Swisher Sweets. I quit smoking when I was 18 years old, and I still, once in a while, a fond memory goes through my mind about cigarettes. That's how powerful the addiction is. Now, some of you don't have that, but I had that. But you yield yourself. So when you yield yourselves to cigarettes, you then become a, a servant. A, a, by the way, that's a kind word, servant. It means slave. To obey. His servants ye are whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death. So when you sin, you basically become a servant of sin, and that leads you to death. And of obedience, if you obey Jesus and do the things of God, you become a servant of Christ under righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being saved is not just informational. Do you get that statement? It's not just informational. If, if our problem was not enough information, we would all be wonderful. But the problem is we have all the good information we need, and we still won't do it. Speaking of marriage trouble, speaking common trouble, marriage. I've got enough marriage counseling to pull my hair out. It's amazing I got any hair left. And so... When you sit in front of a married couple, and, then, and of course, if you listen to her, then you're mad at him. And if you listen to him, you're mad at her. Not you two, of course. But I mean, both of them have their side of the story. You know, they get there and I think, well, boy. So you give them a book to read. They read the book. They come back same. Read another book. Good book. I mean, books spend a whole lifetime to write. Guys that spend their whole lifetime studying marriage. Brother, brother uh, Bud Calvert's done his whole lifetime studying marriage. And he'll agree with it. It's not information they lack most of the time. Because you can tell them the right things to do. Well, I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Doc, Doc and his, one of his biggest frustrations I've been in practice is you know what's to help them, but they won't do it. Now, with me, that's, I'm very cooperative. You oh. <laughs> plead the fifth. At least you don't drink it. So, <laughs> but God be thanked to your servants of sin, but you obeyed from the heart. The issue is the heart. Now, it's not the physical heart, but your inner being. You decide, sometimes I have very little information to live for God, and he'll help you, and you'll get more information, that'll be good. Being made then free from sin by the obedience to Christ, by trusting him, repenting, and trusting him as your Savior, then wanting to do his will, you become servants of righteousness. So we conquer by yielding. That's tough because our nature is not that way. What can I do to be better? That's what we want to do. What can I do? Works. What works can I do? Can I go to church seven days a week? Brother, brother uh, uh, Mike Tamara was raised Roman Catholic. He knows this. People go to church seven days a week at the Roman Catholic Church. They go 7 a.m., 6 a.m., Mass, whatever. They'll go seven days a week their whole life. Is that going to help them to get into heaven by the fact that they showed up and did that? They've got to have obedience from the heart. Christianity is invisible, which then becomes visible by the obedience. So we conquer. 
The, the third thing I got to get better in, I got to do better in this. We find rest under a yoke. This verse really familiar with you, Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How are you going to do that? Well, it says, take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke, if you're familiar with farming, uh, goes on usually horses or oxen or, or asses or something like that. It's something that's, that is, is hard on them. They, they have to put that around them, and then they got to pull a carriage by it or a cart by it or whatever. Yoke's a, a, a bondage thing. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Compared, you say, well, I don't believe in having a yoke. You got one. Sin is in and of itself is a yoke. Whosoever sins is a servant of sin, a slave of sin. So sin... Basically what Jesus is saying here, you can go and live for yourself and live the way you want to live, but your way of living is going to be a lot harder on you, and you're not going to find rest, and you're not going to find peace. You're only going to find rest and peace in me, and your yoke, the yoke that I get, and there is a yoke in being a Christian, amen? There is a yoke in being a Christian. But my yoke, Jesus says, is going to be way better than sin's yoke. Just way better. So we find, we find rest under a yoke. That's a paradox. We reign by serving. Luke 9, 48. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receive him that sent me. For Okay, let me try again. Whosoever shall receive this child in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. That's just opposite of our thinking. Now, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm senior pastor. That's really, woo senior pastor, senior pastor. I'm the servant of all you people. My life has not, been, has not gone the way I, I wanted it to go. I, want, I did it according to what God wanted me to do, which was to serve you. He says, I want you to be the servant of a group of people. That's what, he, and that's what being a pastor really is, is you're serving a group of people. You're, my study days and my, my days at home praying and my days with God and my, day, and my try, to be, try to keep everything by the grace of God in obedience to Christ and be accountable to Him, all of that's for you. It's really not for me. But if you're going to be great in God's eyes and do the right thing in God's eyes, you're going to be the least of all. The problem with David is he was a little shepherd boy, and he got to be the king of Israel. And when he got to be the king of Israel, he quit being little in his own eyes, and he took another man's wife by force and killed the guy. People that are little in their own eyes don't do that. Saul was little in his own eyes at the beginning and did great, but when he got to be king and big in his own eyes, he disobeyed God's word and was rejected as king. The way you're going to do well with Jesus is, is stay little. I hate to say this. My name is Lytel. My dad gave me that. I just go with it. But when Siri says my name, she says little. 
I don't know about you, but it's, not just, it's just not good to call a man little. And it bothers me every time I hear her say that. What part of me is bothered by that? My pride. I still got it. Someday I'm going to lose it. But the pride, it's, it's, so, it's so ready that when she says, Bill Little, We reign by serving. We're exalted by being humble. Matthew 23, 11, 12. He that is greatest among you will be your servant. This is a little bit overlap. Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So that's the same really theory. We're exalted by being humble. That's a paradox. Number six, we become wise by being fools for Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. And boy, you can do that. I always say this, the worst deception is self-deception. You get in a mirror and say, I'm good looking. Get about 10 people to give you an idea whether that's true or not. Don't take your word for it. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. A fool why? As the world looks at you, you're a fool. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world, according to 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven, to confound the wise. And hath God chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. An unknown carpenter's son, crucified by the Romans, one of hundreds of thousands probably, crucified by the Romans, has literally spread all over the world, taken down whole kingdoms. We become wise by being fools for Christ. Once the smoke clears, I'll read that. We are made free by becoming slaves. Romans 6.22 But now being made free from sin and become servants, in the word there is doulos, slaves to God, you have your fruit unto holiness in the end, everlasting life. By the way, God takes care of his own. God takes care of his own. Boy, living for Jesus. I had a guy get saved years ago, and, and he, he uh, about six, eight weeks after he got saved, he said, you know, things were a lot better for me before I got saved. I said, yeah, that could be true. Temporarily. I mean, obviously, at the beginning of your salvation, especially a guy like that who got saved in the middle of his life, he had all kinds of habits pleasurable habits. And God, the Holy Spirit, as soon as he got saved, said, you're going to have to quit this habit, you're going to have to quit that habit, you're going to have to quit doing that. Man, I quit drinking, I quit smoking, I quit cussing, I, I can't have any fun anymore. Well, the old way, that's correct. But what God's got for you is going to be way better in the big picture than the temporary pleasures of sin for a little season. And the, the devil offers you. He offers some pleasure, he offers some things short term. We wax strong by being, being weak. For 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and in necessities. I'm trying to learn this, by the way. In persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What happens is when I'm strong, I'm in God's way. I get in God's way. My pride, by the way, God resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. 
So if your pride resists the power of God, as soon as you got pride come up, God can't help you. But if you humble yourself, the Holy Spirit of God will come in and help you and do great and mighty things which you know not. But he can't do that if you, you get in the way. You get in God's way is what happens. We wax strong by being weak. Paul understood that more than maybe any man in the New Testament. Uh, he understood what it was to be weak. He got beat and beat and beat and beat and beat and beat and beat. Unbelievable. I'm surprised. Amazing. Only God could have had him live through all of that. That's because his pride was so strong. Why did Paul have to go through what he went through? Because God loved him. Because he knew if he didn't do that to Paul, he would, he would rise up with, because he was a super intelligent guy. He probably had the Old Testament memorized. He was used to being the leader of the leader. He could outsmart, outlogic most people. And that's not the Paul that God was going to be able to use. He said, I'm going to show Paul, I'll show him what great things he must suffer for my sake. That's what the Bible says. That was his commission. Number, when the smoke clears, number nine, we triumph by defeat. These are paradoxes. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. If you can't read it, I am so sorry. Unless the, I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, because Paul wrote, I believe, 13 of the 27 New Testament books, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, that I should lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, Baptists buffet themselves, but not in the same way Paul did. <laughs> buffet, spelled the same, pronounced differently. We buffet ourselves. But, he bu but, but Satan buffeted him. He whipped him around, beat him around, thus he should be exalted above measure because he had a pride thing going on. This... And this thing I besought the Lord thrice that I might depart from. Now, Paul had ability to do miracles. The apostles were able to do miracles. He could do miracles. Many things he'd been given to help spread the gospel. But he, so when he prayed, he got, I mean, I would think the man had answered prayer. But when he went to God and said, take these away from me, I can't take it anymore. Three different times he pleaded with God and God said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect, that word means complete and whole, in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's a lifelong lesson. We need to get that. We need to remind ourselves of that as born-again believers. You have an affliction, don't get bitter, get better. You have something wrong, going wrong, you're struggling with being old, don't get bitter, get better. Thank God for your weaknesses. Thank God for your troubles. Thank God for the infirmities. That if he could be glorified somehow in them, that's the way to go. Number 10, we find victory by glorying in our infirmities. 2 Corinthians 12, 5. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. So Paul Again, going back to the pride, he was a smart man, he was a wise man, he was a man who could tr form tremendous arguments, uh, defend his positions, knew the Bible, and he had to be a humble servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm not going to glory uh, of myself, I'm going to glory in the trouble that I've had, the infirmities I have, the weaknesses I've had, the resistance I've had that God would do something through me, be able to do something through me for, by the grace of God. 
Number 12. No, not number 12. Number 11, page 12. We live by dying. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it biteth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. <clears throat> this is a paradox. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. I, in some degree, I don't believe you can have your foot in both worlds. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be successful in your business. I'm not saying that you, everybody should work. Work's good. Work was before the fall. Work is a blessing from God. Everybody should be able to work, 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 work. You should love the work. Work should be a joy and a delight to you. It'll give you something worth having, you know, by the grace of God. Don't hate work. We got a generation of, uh, you know, the Generation Z. You remember Generation Z? The other day I saw somebody said they shouldn't name them Generation Z. They should name them Generation Lazy. <laughs> there was this girl on YouTube went viral that, was crying her eyes out because she had to work a 40-hour week and it was just awful and it ruined her life. Don't eat for three, four weeks. You'll be enthused about getting up. See, there's a trouble. You got too much without working. You, without work, there's no food. Without food, there's no life. Without life, there's no work. My dad said, when you turn 18 years old, you're going to pay rent, and you're going to buy your own food and everything else. So I figured if I'm 18 years old, I've got to pay for everything, I'm going to find a woman and get married. <laughs> I found some girl, you know, a little on the simple side that would be willing to marry me. Right. That's right. <laughs> hey, man, honey, you were young and... You were, you were young and beautiful. That's what I was going to say. You were young and beautiful. That's what I was going to say. What you were thinking. Now you're thinking whatever you want to think on that. But I mean, you get, married at, you get married at 18 years old. You're the dumbest part of your whole life. Amen? Yes. Yes. Being married for 52 years after all that time just proves there's a God in heaven. We got the Binghams here. Married 72 years, 73 years now. 71. Does it seem like 72? Never mind. <laughs> I knew somebody in my life, 75 years. That's the longest I've ever known anybody to be married. 75, three quarters of a century married. And they were happy with each other. They giggle around each other, be happy to be, just, you know, like, like my wife and I. Because we're blind, we see. John chapter 9, Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you wouldn't have any sin. You'd have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. In other words, their pride told them that they were righteous, that they knew the law of Moses, that they saw, and yet they were full of corruption and covetousness. Uh, the sin of the Pharisees was hypocrisy and covetousness, mentioned in the Bible. I'm not making it up. 
The Bible mentions their sin was, it was covetousness and, and hypocrisy. That was their sin. And they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it at all. They, were, they, were, they said, we see. And Jesus said, no, you're blind to the real things. If you were, and the, and the disciples, the disciples, the apostles ended up being apostles, said, we can't see anything. We don't know much. We're fishermen. We, we've just left everything and come to see you. We don't know. We're just believe you're the Messiah, the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And because they said they couldn't see, they could see everything. Paradox. Paradox of the Bible. I believe this is the last one. They turned the world upside down. You can see why. When you come up with this kind of, this kind of teaching into a pride-filled, humanistic-based thinking, you're ripping the foundations of that thinking apart. You're taking the very root, root of, of the philosophy of life and rooting it up. No wonder. Why, why, why do you think Christianity is hated so much? You say it isn't hated. Well, you, that's because maybe you're in a good spot. You're in a place where the county is, you know, friendly to Christians. But you go to some place in the United States, uh, like New York City, uh, right now, when they're having one of those pro-Hamas, uh, big pro-Hamas uh, demonstrations, that's when they go street preaching. Take your sign out there for Christ. They'll, they'll eat you for lunch. They hate Christianity. 2 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10. By, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers, yet true. Paul said this is the way we, we, we appear to people. As unknown, yet well-known. Notice these paradoxes. By honor and dishonor, we spread the gospel. By evil report and good report, we still spread the gospel. As we're considered deceivers, yet we're true. Whereas unknown, nobody knows us yet. Ooh, we're still talking about Paul 2,000 years later. Nobody knows all them people around him. They all died and, and went into oblivion. As dying, and yet behold, we live. As chastened, but not killed. I would have loved to have seen the Apostle Paul's back. I would like to have seen his back. He says, I bear in my body the marks of ownership of Jesus Christ. He could have took his shirt off and said, you see that? Are you, Paul, are you dedicated to Christ? Take his shirt off and say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. As sorrowful, and there was there was sorrow, yet always rejoicing, even in the midst of it. Singing in prison. Philippian jailer got saved. As poor, dirt poor, yet making many rich through the gospel. And having nothing, yet possessing all things. His eyes were looking at the invisible. Paul died literally owning nothing possessing nothing but the clothes on his back and the food, the daily food he was able to, he was able to make tents. And he, the Bible says he worked for money so that he could feed his people that were with him and he feed the people. And he said, uh, he possessed nothing. But how do you think Paul's doing today? How do you think the Pharisees are doing today? How do you think the Sadducees and scribes and Herodians are doing today? 
They're not leaving because they're offended. They're leaving because they got work to do. So I need to go with her. She all right? Her husband back there. She's all right. The endocrine. <laughs> A couple more people leaving. I'm getting Todd Whiff back. <laughs> Todd, if you're watching this, I want to say something. <laughs> so. <laughs> The end is just the beginning. It's beautiful to be a Christian. It's beautiful to... No, there are no perfect Christians, okay? No perfect Christians. All Christians have stumbled and fallen and struggled and gotten out. The righteous fall seven times and rise up again. That kind of gives you an indication that you're not going to go through this life on flowery beds of ease. But in the midst of it all, whatever happens, you can trust him who gave himself for you. And he's going to bring you through it all. And in the end, you're going to be able to look back and see clearly it was a better way. It was the best way to live for, live for Christ is the best way. Father, help us today. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Jesus. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.